I'm Stefan Sittig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. Laura Reichardt is an intimacy choreographer and coordinator, and is co-founder and head faculty of Theatre Intimacy Education, where she choreographs, consults, and teaches workshops on best practices for staging intimacy for professional and educational theatre and film across the country. She serves as the primary intimacy choreographer for the University of North Carolina School of the Arts and has served as intimacy coordinator with NBC Universal Amazon. As a director and actor, she has worked in film and television in New York City, internationally, regionally, and on national tours. She has also devised various solo performance productions. She is an assistant professor of theater at the University of South Carolina Upstate and she has served on the faculty at Stephen F. Austin State University, Brown University, and the University of Miami. Hi, Laura. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. We're, I'm so excited to have you here on American Theater Artists Online, and thank you so much for, for agreeing to speak with us. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So where are you talking to us from? I am talking to you from my home, which is in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh. Um, I ended up here through some odd twist of fate. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's a lovely place to be. Asheville is a, a wonderful place. Yes, yeah, a wonderful yes. city. So, um, so I'm, you know, I, I thought you'd be a great person to talk to on our podcast because what you do, at least for me, is so interesting. And, and, and one of the things you do among the many things that you do, because I know you're a director, you're an actor and a teacher. Um, but talk, I really wanted to talk to you today more about theater intimacy or intimacy staging. Um, uh, and forgive me if I use the wrong terms here and there, and I need you to, to help me learn what, what exactly is this work. It's so popular now. So many people are talking about it, but I wanted to talk to an expert. I want to talk to someone who was, who was there at the beginning and, and who knew more about it. So, so share with our listeners a little bit about what exactly is staging intimacy or theater intimacy. Sure. So in terms of intimacy, uh, I sometimes serve in three different roles. I can be an intimacy choreographer on a theater production, an intimacy coordinator mm -hmm. if I'm on film and working on film and television, mm -hmm. and then I consider myself a theater intimacy educator because I teach workshops in the best practices of how to do that. Um, what I do as an intimacy choreographer, essentially, and what kind of umbrellas that term, um, mm -hmm. or intimacy director, some people prefer that term, um, I prefer intimacy choreographer, is essentially I go in and <laughs> I choreograph moments of intimacy. I do that by collaborating with the director, hearing what their artistic aesthetic is, and then I help the actors set shape that works within the instruments of their boundaries mm -hmm. to tell that story but then also serves the aesthetic, uh, the artistic aesthetic that the director is trying to achieve. And mm. that, in one sentence, is what I do. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a pretty good explanation. Clearly, you've had to answer this question before. But um, so um, how is it different from what a director does? Because you've already mentioned a few terms that, you know, for those that don't know anything about theater and for those who do, I have both those kinds of, of listeners. Um, what you know, you, you threw out directing, choreographer. Um, what, how is the work you do different than what a director, I guess, or was it something that a director used to do in the past and maybe didn't do well because they didn't really have the tools? I mean, what is it that you do that's different from director or choreographer in the traditional sense? Sure, so, so there's a couple of answers to your questions. Okay. Your question. Yes. Um, essentially, what I do, essentially, you could liken it to a dance choreographer or a fight choreographer. Mm. A director says, no, there's a lot of intimacy in, the scene, in this play. We need to bring someone on who maybe has a heightened skill here to help me stage these scenes. Okay. So you could look at it as sort of a, a def defining it like that or looking at when do I need an intimacy person. Right, so um, you're on the production team as yes. part, you're brought on as part. So in the same 
vein as a choreographer or a fight uh, director or a movement coach. That's that's sort of the world in which you live. Exactly. Okay, I see. Um, and so I go in and I have tools that help establish um, actors' boundaries. Uh, so I and the and help the actors manage those boundaries, and sometimes I help the production team manage those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I give them those tools, and we don't ask why anyone has the boundaries that they have. Mm-hmm. We just make sure they're clarified, and then we honor them in staging the work. Now, I, I try to I try to come on as early as I can, and also to help out in casting because something. I help directors with is they need to understand what their non-negotiables are and the sooner they know that the better. So what I mean by that is if a director knows they want a scene of partial nudity Mm -hmm. in act two scene one, that needs to be made very clear in casting. So the direct, so the actor who was cast in that role can ask as many questions about how the process of that is going to be staged, um, you know, what it's going to look like, you know, how costuming is going to support that. So they can ask all the questions they want before they agree to that role. So are you in auditions a lot or ideally would you be, if you were, if you were asked to be in a project, let's say from the beginning, you'd like to be in auditions? I like to consult with Mm-hmm. the whoever is casting the, the casting director or, or and the give them my thoughts i see right now we are not always involved in casting i see um because right now the way people are hiring intimacy choreographers they're typically hiring us um after casting has often Post-casting. been done right but recent i just put on a project that will hopefully happen in the fall mm-hmm. um and they were about to have their auditions and the director and the artistic director spoke with me in detail about how they what questions they wanted to ask and how they wanted to find out about actors boundaries at oh. the auditions oh good um, okay so that so i didn't have to be at the auditions i just gave i consulted with them a lot about how to uh let actors clarify their boundaries that's great um because it's also important that when we do that we do it in a way that doesn't intimidate the actor with the power dynamic what? so they can be honest without being afraid that they're not going to get the gig just because of their boundary oh i see um, so hmm. so essentially if a director doesn't um get the make those non-negotiables clear casting then what we really can help with once we are in the process is if something comes up that an actor an actor is asked to do hmm. that they're not that doesn't work for their instrument um you know it doesn't work for me to be partially nude in this scene sure. that is not something i can i can do with my instrument right okay and i wasn't made aware of that at casting great if that's clear mm. then i can give the as as a choreographer i will give the director a plethora of, the, of other creative choices that might help get the aesthetic that the director's looking for you know so like, what did oh, you want great. when when they took their shirt off well mm-hmm. i wanted this sense of isolation or whatever and and then i could offer something well what if we put them in a nude camisole did some side lighting a little bit of backlighting and um and had them turn to the side so you're solving you're solving problems there so we're solving yeah we're solving problems because what was happening Mm -hmm. is it's not before intimacy choreographers came along that everybody was doing it wrong in fact when we train people in our workshops and Mm -hmm. Um, and I, my, and when I say our, I'm always referring to Chelsea Pace, who's the co-founder of Theatrical Intimacy Education. And I have to give her a plug because she's in your area. She's at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Oh, wonderful. She does a lot of intimacy choreography work in the D.C., Baltimore area. So you and Chelsea and, together put together Theater Intimacy Education. That's right. We were co-founders. We're co-founders, co-founders of it. Oh, that's and great. all the work is a combination of our research together. Mm-hmm. And the choreography part of the work um, is it really her brainchild. And nice. she's, I think she's the best intimacy <laughs> choreographer I've <laughs> ever I like wow. I, I can say I, I think she's incredible um so I want to give her a plug because she's in your area oh. and she's been working in some theaters in your area so some people may know her already. yes I met um, Chelsea at the at the Athe conference a few uh, several years ago in Orlando but um I oh, didn't know she yeah, was yeah, in yeah. the area yeah she's great oh well wonderful so what you mentioned tools at one point yeah well but, I, I wanted to just let me finish yeah, answering go ahead. the thing 
I think it's important to say it's not necessarily that people were doing it wrong before. Oh, some right. people were sure, and some people were taking advantage of how of the power dynamic where the director, mm. the producer, whoever had more power, you know, to get actors to do uh, things they felt they had to do in order to keep their jobs. But a lot of people were just doing what they what they had learned to do in the history of our industry. Sure, and what our industry had been doing essentially is saying, oh, there's a kiss in the scene. Two actors go figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then the actors would go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And then they come back and they do something weird. Right, with no <laughs> tools. No tools, <laughs> so no vocabulary, do, nothing to... And this right. is a Chelsea saying, what we do is we make it less weird. I see. And what, what that did, what we did for a long time in our industry was assume that actors had intimate experience. They were willing to share that physical intimate experience on stage. And then it looked the way we thought it should look. Mm -hmm. and if we think about it that way, that's a really wild assumption we were making. Right, So. Yeah. With the way we work now, we don't make any assumptions about anybody's personal intimate experience because it's choreography, it's mm -hmm. movement they can do. Hmm. That's interesting. I think that I think that for the longest time, you know, as someone who started as an actor myself and from, you know, thirty years trying to be an actor and struggling in that area. Um, there were a lot of times, you know, as a young man where I felt like I had to do certain things if I wanted to get the job, right? And, and to put, it put me in, in uncomfortable situations, you know, take off your shirt or, you know, things like that. And, and I, I, I'm sure men feel as uncomfortable as women. It's not just a woman thing, well, right? Across the board. Yeah. I mean, I've shown up as an intimacy uh, choreographer and an, a male actor has taken his shirt off. And I'm like, I'm sorry, why is his shirt off in this scene? Mm -hmm. And they were like, well... Well, we asked him if he'd do it, and uh, I, I told him I wanted that. And I was like, but that wasn't made clear at casting. Yeah. Um, I would. I wish that had been written by me first. And the director was like, oh, it's just a guy. <laughs> right. Like, so the gender yeah. plays a role there. But um, yeah. you, you mentioned yeah. a little bit earlier on about tools, and I wanted to get to those. Because sure. for those of us that really don't know much about this work, um, what are some of the tools? Like, I'm, I'm in my head trying to figure out, you know, I get the sort of involvement that you have on the production team. I get, and I get your, I get the, I get the advice you give the director. I get the, the options that you give and the creativity you bring. But what are some of the specific tools that you, could you give an example of a tool that you use yeah. or something? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because mm -hmm. that's why it's so important mm -hmm. that we train everybody in the space. Um, okay. Theatrical intimacy education, our goal isn't to just train intimacy choreographers. We want to train every single person who's there. Mm. Because what if you discover you have a kiss on a night you didn't schedule the intimacy choreographer? You uh. then have the tools to handle that. Yes. Mm. Um, so what are some of those tools? Yes. We do tools around consent. Um, and our consent tools aren't just based on... Um, sociological studies of consent on society in general mm -hmm. our tools are spe specifically researched and looked at where did consent and and the feeling of autonomy over the instrument really get lost in our industry and so we look at the history of our industry and huh. what happened and what went on to figure out how we bring consent back a consent-based practice back culturally into what we do not just hand somebody a tool and say okay now this is how you get consent that's really that's really interesting laura because i was just watching an interview a, a few days ago on tv with two actors that were talking about a film they were doing and how they had a lot of intimate moments and were just sort of thrown in the deep end and it's like hi nice to meet you i'm so and so and hi i'm so and so and then we started making out, and I thought to myself, oh boy, you know, we are so sometimes as actors, so cavalier, we're so quick to just say, well, that's our job, we're actors, we have to have no boundaries. It's kind of like, wait a minute, and so what you're saying is, no, we're humans, we have boundaries, <laughs> and we, we're going to have them whether we say we do or not, right? What I like to liken it to more than that, specifically, is if a violinist were working with a conductor, and the conductor said, you know what would make this really what I really need here to get the sound I want is for you to step on your violin. Can you do that? Mm. The violinist could say, yeah, this costs a lot of instrument and I spent, I spent a lot of time taking care of it. Yeah. So no, I'm not going to do that. Right. But what is it you're looking for? And let me use my technique to get it. Wow. And we don't really know what that space is. I call it the space to breathe. Mm -hmm. 
looks like for actors. And that's what we're trying to define Mm. with our consent-based practice. But we create performance work in this country really fast. Mm -hmm. So Chelsea and I knew we had to create tools that were ethical, effective, (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. effective, ethical, and efficient. Efficient being important because if it's not, people aren't going to use it. So one of our major tools for consent, and I have to say this here because there's a book, by Chelsea Pace with contributions from me called Staging Sex, a practical guide to staging intimacy. You get it's published by Routledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you can order it right now and it's on ebook. So I oh. say that so these tools I talk about, you can read all about them. Right, because it's it's hard to, to describe everything in four in forty five minutes. Yeah. But but absolutely but there are there's a, a whole that, Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, a quick tool that we've come up with that I'll give you now is button. Using the word button as a self-care cue, more than a safe word. We call it a self-care cue. And button is a word that anyone can say at any time. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we will stop saying it before final dress. Um, it, that that we know means we need to hold for like a moment of self-care, and that doesn't have to have to be explained clearly it just needs to be welcome so maybe in terms of intimacy choreography an actor is supposed to put their hand on the upper back of their partner and they're trying to remember their lines and all their other choreography and their hand goes to the lower back of their partner their partner could easily say hey button that's not and they, oh yes that's not where my hand goes up here i apologize but oh. we can keep going so it's kind We're of like that an it- actor discovers a place on their body they don't want to be touched as we're working a scene um, huh. I don't say I don't want my shoulder touched and my scene partner touches my shoulder. I could say, oh, button, there's a fence. I'll come out what fences. There's a fence on my shoulder. Can we not touch it in this scene? Can we not touch it? Great. No problem. And we can keep going. So it becomes as efficient as calling line. So there's all vocabulary around it. There's a vocabulary yeah, you have oh, to learn. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, theatrical intimacy education, our whole goal is that we've created a solid vocabulary and pedagogy yeah. that we hope people can immediately integrate into what they're already doing. That's great. Um, we don't expect people to completely change their whole uh, process. We sure. hope that we, you know, we're artists and we're educators, and we work really hard to develop these tools that people can grab what's working for them and filter it into what they already do. Um, we have a boundary practice exercise. We have a language called the ingredients, which is a desexualized language for choreographing intimacy and for also documenting and managing intimacy. Oh, what's that um, like? Is that hard to explain? <laughs> ingredients. No. Okay, what uh, what do you mean by that? A couple examples, and and these are really, uh, this is really, you know, Chelsea's brainchild, and it's so brilliant and works so well. So, say that there's a scene, a a love scene, where Mm -hmm. the characters, we assume, are are having intercourse. Mm -hmm. Uh, In choreographing that, we might say, okay, you're going to open and close the distance with your hips on eight count. Your arms, you're going to place your arms on each other's shoulders in an arc shape at a muscle level touch. So, um, and we're going to hold that for a five count. So ingredients there that I just named, distance, opening and closing distance. That's the olive oil of the ingredients, by the way. You can stage all intimacy by just saying opening and closing distance. Wow. Um, that's one. We have different levels of touch, muscle being one of those you heard me saying. Mm-hmm. The shape, you heard me say arc, that's another one. Yeah. And setting everything, to making sure that everything, by the time opening night gets here, it gets set to tempo and counts. Because that's really how we keep it manageable. So so I'm, so the actors are never humping each other. Right, sure. It's <laughs> not just true. like totally random, un, unstaged. This is really staged like you would stage a dance or a fight for the yeah. actor's safety. Yeah, and what's a little different, though, is because of the way our boundary practice works, the mm-hmm. actors can do our boundary practice tool, which is too much. Uh, too, it's easy to do, but too much to explain in a podcast. So sure, sure, sure. Yes, the book is um, Staging Sex, right? Yeah, by, by Chelsea, Chelsea Pace, Pace. Contributions from Laura Ray. For those who want to read more. But tell me more. Sorry, go ahead. Finish what um, you were saying. Sure. So because the way our boundary practice works is it really establishes and sets boundaries about the actor's instruments. Hmm. So we can go in there and find the intimacy through organic choices Hmm. because the actors are very clear on where they can manage each other's instruments. And if the actor discovers a new boundary that they didn't quite weren't aware of in the boundary practice tool, then all they have to say is button, actually. that's not going to work. Let's make a different choice and we honor it and we move on. So, um, so it's a very efficient 
uh, language and vocabulary and pedagogy. And then we have a theoretical practice about um, helping actors learn how to physically own vulnerability and be more open in their body, which comes from a lot of our stage movement work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we teach a lot of um, best practices around um, creating policy and procedure for your institution or your program or your um theater company wow. uh we, we offer advice on casting so we give a lot of consulting work around uh, intimacy work and also we give thoughts on hiring because you we don't feel at theatrical intimacy education you need an intimacy choreographer for every project um just like if you've had some stage combat training mm-hmm. and there's one simple punch in a show you probably might feel as a director very confident in staging that one punch yes oh uh, similarly to i think intimacy choreography if there's one kiss you don't need to put into a budget hiring an intimacy choreographer mm-hmm. that's why we want to train everybody in the room I where see. the concern comes in about not having an intimacy choreographer is what you were going back to earlier when you said, I felt pressured to do stuff as a young actor. Yes. That's why we have to train everybody in the space, not just so they can handle a simple thing or maybe they don't need an intimacy choreographer, but so they understand the inherent problem within having to say yes, Mm. the easy part with myth of I have to say yes to everything, to, to this patriarchal idea that's in our industry, Otherwise, I'm going to be deemed hard to work with. Right. But it's that um, idea that we, in, in discussion, we need to have with everybody. So mm-hmm. we truly understand what a consent-based practice is. Because having one person in the room with the expertise mm-hmm. isn't enough. That's this, not enough to make a positive cultural change. Absolutely. So you're not just training actors or training directors and people who do theater to, to, to have all these tools. I mean, this is great and wonderful. You're also, in a way, changing the culture I mean, of that, theater. That, that's our hope. I mean, yeah. a lot of people ask me in Chelsea, would we want to leave education and do this professionally all the time? And we said no, because the way we change the industry is by training the people who go into the industry. The future. Ultimately. Yeah, the future of the... And I feel like a lot of the times, you know, I work with, with young students and I work with, um, you know, I mean, I teach college. And I find that they are so much more attuned to this than maybe perhaps, well, definitely more than I was when I was their age. I had no clue. I felt totally unprepared. And a lot of my students are already um, um, comfortable talking about their boundaries, comfortable talking about uh, what they can and cannot feel comfortable doing on stage. And I think that's great that they have that. And this work that you guys are doing that you and Chelsea have put together really creates the tools for them to be able to go, this is what I mean, this is what I'm expressing. Because I think sometimes it gets lost um, with some of the older faculty perhaps not understanding, you know, or even in the industry, the older directors and people who are my generation or older, you know, I'm Gen X, might not kind of get what this younger generation is talking about. And I think it's great. I wish there was this when I was, you know, coming up um, in the industry. And I think it's, it's great that you guys are putting this together. How did you specifically get uh, attracted to this type of training? How did you discover this? Was it a moment? Was it something you heard about? Or was it something that you created sort of out of whole cloth because it wasn't there? Um, did it come from a frustration? Or wh- where did you come to connect I mean, with people this? People always want me to have a big traumatic <laughs> story. And no, I that's okay. have like, you know, my, 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 my war stories. Of well, I don't mean that. Actor. Right. So I'm not, I'm but, not really looking for yeah, that. No, yeah. no, I'm joking. Okay, I know, I know. But actually, but the truth is it started, um, I had, as an actor in New York, I was always coaching and teaching people. And then I went to graduate school, uh, later kind of after, uh, a career, uh, and I went to the University of Virginia because I wanted to, to uh, study in that program specifically. I wanted to learn biomechanics. Ah, yes. That is taught in that program. And I had the great fortune of uh, being mentored by a wonderful acting teacher then named Richard Warner. And we all <laughs> taught undergraduate the undergraduate acting program. Yes. And it became very clear to me with, that I was teaching students who generationally, because I was 30, around 30 at this point, but, um, the way being pushed creatively was 
different for them. What they, what, how they welcomed that was different than what, just to sum it up for the podcast, what had been my really great, but very old school idea of you, you go for it no matter what you Mm -hmm. do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was starting to figure out like, they want to do dangerous, exciting theater. They want to be pushed creatively, but the way they see being pushed is very different than the way, um, I I saw it when I was being trained and then I became became a professor um, a full-time professor when I left grad school Mm. and I had a lot of students who would come to me and say I want to go for what you're asking me to but I I have some concerns about trying to go for it and I Mm. realized that we had lost this I wanted students who who liked my training and I wanted actors who enjoyed being directed and pushed by me and appreciate my passion. I never wanted them to feel like they couldn't voice what they needed to voice to clarify, uh, to own their autonomy over their instrument. So I, and then at the same time I was being asked as a movement specialist, mm. Hey, could you come work on this scene on my show? It's just one scene, uh, but could you come up at, could you come help me little theaters and student productions and things? And, Mm-hmm. I would show up to the rehearsal and it was the love scene. Huh. Now, this is interesting. Mm. So I started developing what I called instilling self-care tools in actor training. And that's what I was calling it. Mm-hmm. And I went to present on it at the, at the, at the conference, the mm-hmm. Association of Theater and Higher Education. And I was put on a panel with Chelsea Pace, who was um. then a graduate student creating a desexualized language for staging intimacy and looking at consent best practices. And we, when we would, we presented more than once together and people started asking us to come teach them Mm. what we're presenting on. So Chelsea and I decided to sit down and really theatrical intimacy education started as like, here's a place people can find us. We're going to keep doing our research. We're going to marry our research. We're going to create our pedagogy and you can find us and we'll help you out when you need us thinking like, okay, the three or four people that talk to us, um, but our panels were always packed, um, can find Mm. us now. Mm. Um, and we started getting calls and the me too movement happened. I was about to ask about the me too movement. If that was something that was sort of an ingredient in uh, that, it might've been a catalyst for the, the work to take off, but it sounds like you were already before the Me Too movement, already in contact with Chelsea and already preparing this work because of necessity, it seemed. You yeah, encountered- I think it's, a really, it's really important to say, and we so appreciate the light that is being shined on us at this moment. Yes. But there are people in this industry that have been trying to take care of people in this way for years. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stunt people, particularly stunt identified women, mm-hmm. who have been called in to do intimate scenes and scenes of sexual violence for years. Yes. And the industry just didn't open up a space to give this a label and give this a title. Mm-hmm. We're at the point, Chelsea and I just happened to be codifying our work mm-hmm. at the moment in time that the industry said, this can have a title now. It was perfect timing, really. It was meant yeah. to be, I think. Yeah. yeah, so it's always important to us to say, where it's great that people see us on the forefront of this, but we don't want to not honor the many, many people who have been trying to do consent-based practice for a long time. Sure. So a lot of people in our workshop say to us, I've been doing something like this for years. I just didn't have a vocabulary for it. Right. And, and just a few weeks ago, I interviewed Colleen Kelly for my podcast and she was talking about we your name came up and we were talking about uh this work that she as a fight director had done you know many years ago and she didn't really know that it was even called this she just was often called in to stage um by by some of the men that were running the 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 safd the society of american fight directors she was being called in because she was one of the most prominent women doing that work uh, as a fight director, she was being called in to, to stage violence against women because I guess the men felt even uncomfortable and so they were bringing in a female voice, which is good, but she didn't see it as this. Now, I think what you guys have done is taken this really to a whole other level. There are tools, I mean, there's a vocabulary, there's really, I was reading about it online, there is so much on your website 
on the Theater Intimacy Education website and also just out there on this topic. It is so of the moment now, but all the work that you guys have put in prior to this moment is what I was saying that you guys have really dug deep and and there's a lot there. Well, and part of being professionals as well as being professors is we've got to use the academic landscape to develop our tools um, you know, by creating a hypothesis and then going into the laboratory of the rehearsal in the classroom Great. and seeing if they work and getting feedback um, from our subjects um, and then working interdisciplinarily with, um, you know, psychology departments and kinesthesiology departments and understanding why these tools have the positive results that they do. So you've mentioned movement a little bit. You've mentioned directing. What do you think makes for a good intimacy choreographer what are some of the skills so you talked about the vocabulary and you know someone can go train and all that but what are some of the things that you think would make for a good start as a person to have what are some of the skills uh, other skills in theater perhaps or even just personality skills that you think what are some of the things that are needed i mean personality wise i think you've got to have a lot of common sense about where the industry been it has been and where mm-hmm. the industry is going yes Because understanding how to read and collaborate Mm -hmm. um, with directors Mm -hmm. in this role, particularly in film and television, is incredibly important. Um, And um, do you think it helps to have a movement background? I think it. I think it helps. Sure. I think. Yeah, I think it can help to have a movement background because we've stolen a lot of the pedagogy from viewpoints, dance, fight, like... (laughs) Well, you've combined, I think you've taken from... a lot of the ideas, but I think it's incredibly beneficial too. I mean, my acting teacher background has been really helpful for me because when I go in and work with a Meisner-based trained actor and a Michael Chekhov-based actor and they're in the same show and they've got some different Hmm. things going on about, well, how can this work with their technique? If I understand their techniques, then I can serve them better so acting um, training helps I don't know that, yeah I think um, you know you've got to have you've got to really listen and be aware and read people because even though we have this word button that people can say mm-hmm. sometimes I have to read that they want to say it and they huh. because we're still locked into I'm just going to do whatever rhythmic. right yes yeah, yeah I have to and so and sometimes I'll ask young actors like who taught you that? And they're like, well, no one. I just know that's how it is, which Funny. means it's gotten into yeah, the it's, inherent. I think uh, actors it, have a hard time saying no in general yeah, about everything. Yeah. And that means that it's a part of the inherent trauma um, of the DNA of our industry. Yes. So that's what I have to look at a cultural change. Yeah. So sometimes I, you know, I have to really sit back and listen and say, oh, is this a button moment for you? And they're like, yeah, it is. It is. Mm. I'm like, okay tell me what you need. And I just need to make a different decision or I just need five minutes to think about this. Um, But that's what I'm saying. It's probably changing the way actors think, not just about the intimacy that they're having to perform on stage, uh, but also about their careers and their lives. Yeah, so you have to be really astute. You have to really listen. Mm -hmm. You have to be compassionate. But you also, also have to be clear about making sure that you keep the space a space where people don't feel like the space is a place that they have to expose their trauma Mm -hmm. to get a boundary respected because that's what, because when people start exposing their trauma, one, they might be putting it on other people in the space who are not Mm, ready, but two, nobody should feel like they have to tell you what they've personally been through to get a boundary honored. Mm. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, sometimes, um, I'll have actors, I'll say, you know, is this a button? Do we need to make a different choice? And they're like, yeah, you see? And I'm like, you don't have to tell me. I, you, you've told me that we need to make a different choice. You and don't that's have to explain fine. It. I got a million up my sleeve. Let's go. But that's also like when you're doing acting work that, you know, you don't have to share all your secrets of how you're yeah. getting to whatever acting moment you're getting to, whatever sense memory or whatever kind of acting training you're using. That's up to you. You don't have to share that. On the contrary, I think you shouldn't have to share it. Right? Yeah, and Unless, that's a big misconception yeah, about interesting. intimacy choreographers that's why we get uh, that's where some of the resistance comes from is there's Mm -hmm. a fear that we're going to come into the room and turn the space and do a therapy session Mm -hmm. and so I'm very clear with directors that I'm here to choreograph drama Mm -hmm. I'm not here to process trauma Mm -hmm. oh wow that's great Um, and that if I see that someone needs a mental health specialist um, I will hold their hand and get them to that person yes but make it clear I am not that person no Um, yeah and and um, 
you know, a lot of um, intimacy choreographers get mental health first aid certification, and it's great and it's wonderful. And I'm so blessed that my university gives it to us. Yes. Um, or teach, and it, it just like uh, it's great, and it helps me figure out how to help the person to like get them to the person who has the expertise. But just like CPR certification. It doesn't make CPR doesn't make me a doctor. Uh, a mental health certification doesn't make me a counselor or therapist. Yeah. And I've been served so well by my own personal mental health specialist that mm-hmm. I would never take on the assumption that I am that. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, they have years and years of training. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I've, you know, it's funny when you're talking about all these different things because as someone myself who has staged a lot of fights and, um, and a lot of dance and movement, you know, where actors are touching each other and there's a lot of uh, interaction between them. Um, I've often had that in my head, right? And so I'll use things like, you know, is it like when I, I've always had it from me to them, right? As a teacher, I've always been like, is it okay to touch you now? I always say that out loud. And a lot of them, yeah, absolutely, you know, or yes or no. But I'm also trying to be very attuned to that if you're doing a correction or you're you're bringing two actors together. But um, there hasn't really been a language even for teachers, for those of us that are teaching. And it's great to have. because of what we do with our bodies physiologically and because of what, there are moments for actors where stuff comes up. Yes. And if they have a way to say, hey, could could I just have, have five minutes before we do that scene again? Right. Yeah, could I and pause? I yeah. Then they have time to tune their instrument mm-hmm. without having to say, oh, but this play is about a dead mother and my mom died a couple years ago. And like, I just, you know. Right. Which, Drama uh, is psychology. Right. Then it starts coming out and yeah. then you don't really, like you said, then none of us are, we're not, unless we have a, a degree in therapy, we're not, we're not prepared for that. We don't yeah. have the tools. We're human, but yeah. we don't, we can be empathetic, but we don't have the tools yeah. to analyze. So. Um, you've mentioned already, and you've done a lot of, of, of description of some of, of the challenging bits of this, right? Because they do come out and how you, you handle when it does get, um, you know, um, emotional or when that happens. And I love this idea that the actor can, can, can own their own truth without having to disclose to everyone what happened. You know, it could just be this is not comfortable and button or this isn't what we talked about. And this kind of language, you're giving really actors space. That's what I'm seeing. <laughs> And something I say a lot to actors and is I try to keep the word comfortable out of the room because it's all uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> the nature of acting is that we imagine given circumstances and yes. then we either react or act upon those given circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a play that is about comfortable given circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, our job is to poeticize the uncomfortable, to have technique, to live in the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when I'm working with actors, I, I do clarify, um, I'll see, is this is this that you are discovering how uncomfortable the character's life is, or is this a boundary for you? Mm. Those are not always the same. And so the example I give in workshops is I personally had a really, really traumatic uh, pregnancy. Luckily my twins are wonderful, wonderfully healthy now, but it it left me with a lot of trauma to work on. And so if someone called me and said, Hey, could you come play Medea right now? Um, my emotional boundary aligns with the given circumstances of that character, and I would have to say, no, I can't play that role right now. But if someone called me and said, can you play Blanche, her world is pretty awful too, but I can imagine it, I can live in it. It doesn't um, It doesn't align with any emotional boundary for me. Um, yeah. But, but actors I have never... Rotator cuff five years ago, so I would have a physical boundary when we played that role. I would say, yeah, See. we're not... Safety, yeah. But I mean, it's funny because the the way you're speaking is so informed as an actor, right? And so often, actors don't give themselves the space to make those kind of choices. They just go, "Oh, I was offered Medea. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go run." And yeah, I can totally empathize with it because this happened to me. And and then it becomes that thing where how do they once they're in uh, once they're in rehearsal, how do they even get out of that, right? And how do they even work through that? So it becomes yeah, and working with young actors, I really because they're discovering that a lot of sure. the times. Um, so I really encourage them you, you, in the process, especially in education. You know, um, sure. you know, think that through. Let me know. I've had an actor come to me and say, "You know what I've realized?" And he came to me early. Um, the best way to honor my boundary is that I need to not do this role, and mm. I'm coming to you early so you can recast. 
Wow. And that was a great example because reca- we think of recasting as a bad thing, but recasting is sometimes the best way to honor a boundary. Yes, sir. Um, and and I cast that actor again in another show because he was. He I was about to say, not there's also in our culture sometimes a stigma around actors who voice yeah. voice their concerns or voice their truths, and then are not cast, well, he's never going to get cast again, or she'll never work here again. That You hear that a lot, right? It's almost mythical, that line. And yeah, it's terrible. And, and the thing is, I've had the, as an actor, I've got to work on some big movie sets and watch mm-hmm. some really well-established Oscar-winning stars work with Oscar-winning directors. And they have no problem doing this <laughs> right they're much more um, they they own the they own their what they're going through yeah but. and so i've said this when i've gotten some pushback I've, I've said well i think we're just get offering the same civility and humanity that maybe um celebrities get mm-hmm. or have gotten not always i know sure um, yeah it depends and, but also they've I, been through a lot in their careers and perhaps have feel like they've earned it right so there's a there's some yeah. of the young actors feel well I haven't earned it yet which is another weird trope in our industry of well you haven't paid your dues and somehow paying your dues has to be suffering or going through uncomfortable um, scene work in order to pay your dues somehow <laughs> until you're established yeah, you know what Just having weird. suffered in my own life a lot yeah it's enough um, <laughs> Yeah, I lost my parents at a, yeah. young, oh my. At a fairly young age, yeah. and uh, you know I've had some other stuff happen. I don't. Oh. I'm done. I don't think we have to suffer for our art. Well, maybe we that's where the empathy. Functional yeah. people. Yeah, that's where your empathy comes from. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we can be really happy functional people and go in and imagine really awful circumstances, and Absolutely. because we have the technique to do that. Wow. I think that I think we can. Yeah, and this theater intimacy uh, framework that you and Chelsea have built is really the vocabulary that you put together, the tools, really gives the actor that space to be safe, I think, at least in their own, even in their own mind, because even if they, they're still learning the work, and you know, we're all learning and we're all trying to do better, and as we do, um, there's, there's stuff to hold on to. There's stuff to, 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 it's almost like a lifeboat a little bit, and you're filling it up with stuff that you need, because otherwise you're lost. I feel there's a little bit of, of loss out there, the actors are left sort of to their own devices, as I like to say, and then and then the directors sometimes don't have these tools. And so, what you're trying to do is 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 train a whole group of people or provide them with some vocabulary and tools, right, so that they can do uh, safe work. Try to give everybody techniques so we can create a brave space. Yeah, when we have boundless, when we know what the boundaries are, we have boundless creativity because we know how far we can go. And mm. and we want to do that courageously and be brave. Mm. Um, I don't love the term safe space because sometimes it implies that it wasn't safe before. Right. But also people can still get hurt in safe spaces. Absolutely. I have the most childproof house in the world, but my <laughs> toddlers still scrape their knees sometimes. Yes, how much um, you can do. So I think, you know, does this work make it safer on one level? Sure, sure. But does it mean that nothing bad will ever happen again? Um, no, I, th- I think we have to also acknowledge, you know, human error can can be in everything. Absolutely, and and you know we're seeing now with everything going on with COVID nineteen that there, you know, you life can change in in you know the blink of an eye. So no, none of us are safe all the time, uh, but hopefully we can make a safer space. Um, but what? So let me ask you this because I think there is a bit of a preconceived notion even about even though this is still new work, right? In in many ways, you were saying it comes from a history. There's background. A lot of people have given a lot of sweat and tears for this uh, for intimacy staging and and for intimacy um, for staging of intimacy, but. There is, I think, I'm sensing when I interact with people and talk to people in, in, in theater and elsewhere about it, I get sometimes a pushback of, oh, you know, I'll get some sort of someone say, well, that's, for, that's, for, that's a woman thing. It's for women. Men don't need that. And, you know, you've already ex- given several examples here today about how that's not true. But do you think that there is a gender association with this work? So it's um, females-centered and that women understand this and somehow men don't um what what are some of the things that you've encountered in your work that 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 speak to that in one way or another i think that association might be being made because a lot of a lot of people who have gotten interviewed and pressed for it 
happen to be women. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also happen to be white women where, um, that's unfortunate because they, I know so hmm. many people of color hmm. that have been taking care of all of us in this industry for a long time um, and haven't gotten credit. Um, So um, I think anybody who wants to be better at having consent-based practices should come to the table and utilize this. Um, Chelsea and I are both, um, we work really hard on helping people learn if they're qualified. we will never do a certification. We stay away from that because we fear that, for, well, there are many reasons, but one, of, one thing that we know as soon as something becomes something that has to be certified, right. um, it falls into the hands of the privileged. Mm. And that is definitely a certain socio, sociological um, group. Sure. Um, so we want, um, so I, I want it to belong to everybody. So yeah, I have had people say, "Oh yeah, no, we should have, you should have a woman on that, or you should have this on that." Yeah, like um, a woman only I, versus all genders. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that's true, and and I've certainly um, at times been asked to work on a show where I've needed to bring in the expertise of somebody who's had a life experience and perspective that I haven't had. Mm. So we need to have all different voices in the room. Um, all different kinds of people because there's all different kinds of intimacy out there. Right, and there's so um, many stories in theater. Theater has so many, many stories yeah. told from so many different ways. And and as we develop as a, as a society, I hope, we're getting more and more stories. We're hearing more from stories from people that perhaps we hadn't heard before. So that's interesting too. So you, I can tell from what you're saying and the way you've phrased a lot of this and the examples that you've given that this is an open environment that you are open to all and it's not yeah, <laughs> women only I think someone said oh well that's a woman thing i would say really are women the only people in the world that have intimate experience absolutely yeah and there is but there is in our society sort of this feeling that women are the ones that are attuned to the intimacy and men have no clue and they're just sort of like like idiots walking through the world it's like no we we have our own sense too but you're right and it is it is great that you are open to that and there is no male bashing in the work that you do and that's what i think is so wonderful and i'm seeing it it is it's really about both it's all it's about all genders and anyone who who is practicing work on stage it's really important we don't think about this in binary terms. Absolutely, yes. And it's got to go in, 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 in some of these old notions of, of what it is to be a man or what it is to be a woman really um, fly in the face of this. This is really something for the 21st century, which is wonderful, which is great. And it's for the future. Now, you mentioned something about no certification, but there is training for the work at Theater Intimacy Education. What do you guys recommend for someone who is interested in this work, who this appeals to them from beyond being just an actor or director, which is important, they need to have those tools, but but someone who wants to learn even more and really di- dive deeper into this, what would you recommend? Uh, well, buy the book right yes. now while you're at home and quarantined. <laughs> yes, that's one, that's step one. You can right. read it at, at your pleasure. And that was Staging um, Sex by Chelsea Pace with, you have some, some uh, uh, a forward, or no, you have some pieces of it that you've worked I, I, on. I contributed to You it, contributed. So. You're one of the contributors. So, um, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, by book. Um, Start there. You're at home mm-hmm. If you want to get some info right away. Mm-hmm. Um, we offer two-day trainings. Um, all of them have been postponed at the moment. Sure. But once we can gather again, we will be offering those again. Um, we offer those throughout the year. Um, and there's 16 hour trainings in which you get all of our best practices mm. and then uh, you get a chance to do some staging of intimacy. Um, we are going to be offering, it'll be announced uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna offer some summer online sessions. I was gonna um, ask, that's so great. people are looking for, and they'll be taught live. They're gonna be some live online sessions. So if people are looking for some in-house summer training, we've just decided that we're gonna do that. And we are also gonna be offering it on a sliding six scale. So it can be affordable for wherever people are right now in, in their income level. Oh, that's great, um, okay. So that'll be announced soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Once you've done a two-day training with us, you can then apply to do future trainings mm-hmm. that we have in development. Okay. And so we have um, a couple of different um, 
uh, further trainings and development that can help people be uh, better intimacy choreographers, intimacy coordinators. Um, and then we're looking into doing an accreditation for people that really want to focus on the educational aspect. Um, okay. And then people can also apply to be a part of the theatrical intimacy education team. Uh, there's a rolling application online. We take um, a, what we call assistant faculty, which are people in and training to do what Chelsea and I do, which means not just be intimacy choreographers, but also teach our workshops. Mm. Uh, we take graduate assistants and interns, and all positions are paid. Um, and mm. once you're accepted into those positions, all your training is um, is waived. There's okay. there's no cost. Um, they're highly selective, and we only sure. look at those applications um, in in May and June. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you can go online and apply for those at any time. Where should so someone go online? Is there a website or a, a Instagram page or a, is it social media? Where should they try to try to get more information online? Uh, theatricalintimacyed.com uh, and you can go under uh, workshops to see our training. Anytime we announce something new, a new training, like the online sessions we're going to be announcing, uh, we announce that on our Facebook first. Okay, so um, go to your Facebook and like your Facebook to be able to find out more and keep in yes, touch and keep yeah. abreast like of the Facebook, ladies. We don't put a lot on it. We just put stuff that we think people want to know right away. So don't worry, you won't get a bunch of <laughs> No, but they'll, but they'll stay connected if they're interested in what the latest stuff is. So this is great. You have a lot of different options for people to study in different uh, ways if they want and different levels of, of touch sort of contact so to speak of where they yeah. can they can they can learn yeah. more. Yeah and what we're also doing right now um, and we've had mm-hmm. companies theater companies reach out to us about helping them develop practices um, when and if it's time to go back um, mm-hmm. and dealing with social distancing uh, within this work so we're happy to have conversations with um, people and be supportive there as well so don't hesitate to email us and we'll get We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Chelsea is about to give birth any day now. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Um, it'll yeah. be me getting back to you before her right now. But. Yes. No, that's fine. And I know you both are working on this together, and this is your, your joint venture, you and Chelsea Pace. So um, this is great. I mean, Laura, you've given us so much information in such a short period of time. It's great. And there's so much here to chew on. There's so much here to continue to discover and learn about. And like you said, reading the book, Staging Sex, I'm going to get it right now online because I have time now to sit and read it that I may not have had before. So I want to read it and learn more. And hopefully people will do that. And then, you know, if interested, people will sign up on the Facebook page and go to your website. This is great. And and thank you so much. And if colleges or universities are interested, can they also reach out to you? Oh, yes. We go to so many uh, universities. I mean, once we're back <laughs> we open. A, right. We have a number of different packages that we can offer them and work with them. So they can just contact um, me. They can email Laura at theatricalintimacyed.com and I'll get back to them and um, and go through how to make that happen. Oh, that's great. Laura, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. And and I think for a lot of people, this is a new area that they've heard about, but they may not have known that much about. And you have really um, illuminated a lot of areas that I didn't know about. So thank you so much. And and thanks for taking of your time to share this with us. And I'm hoping that um, you and Chelsea will be successful in, in, in helping us in our culture of theater to be more attuned to our instruments. Well, we love doing it, so reach out anytime, and she's amazing, and we're just really grateful for your time and and taking the time to speak with me. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Laura. You're welcome. Take care.